0: This very Christmas morning was a crisp, cool, clear day in the Salt Lake Valley. I woke up and I hadn't been planning on going on a hike. Christmas is, after all, partially for relaxation. But as soon as I looked outside, I knew I had to go. I ended up hiking alone. The Bear Canyon Suspension Bridge sits above the city of Draper in southern Salt Lake County in the state of Utah. There's a trail along Utah's Wasatch Mountains, which runs for miles upon miles, and follows, for the most part, the mark of the shoreline, left along the foothills of the mountains by the monstrous Lake Bonneville. Lake Bonneville was a prehistoric lake that once covered a good portion of what is now the state of Utah, as well as some of the surrounding states, namely Nevada and Idaho. At the moment the lake was at its largest so many years ago, it reached depths of more than 980 feet and covered almost 20,000 square miles in surface area, nearly as much as modern Lake Michigan. The Great Salt Lake is a remnant of the vast and sprawling Lake Bonneville. As I walked the shoreline trail this Christmas morning above Draper, I wore no headphones. I wanted the peaceful sounds of nature or the lack of any noise at all to govern my morning hike. Another part of my desire to be alert to the sounds of nature is that over the past several years, mountain lions aplenty have been spotted very near the shoreline trail, due partially to the drought that has been plaguing the area, forcing them to come down into the valley for water and food. I didn't want to be a Christmas brunch snack for a cougar. As I walked, I looked out over the valley. I love this place. I grew up here, but I've chosen to stay partially due to the hiking, having my family close by, and a great deal of the reason for my staying is in the history of this place. In 1842, Joseph Smith Jr. was the leader of a growing religion, namely the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The majority of the members of this church who referred to themselves as saints, not a title denoting perfection, but a name given to themselves to reflect their earnestness in following their understanding of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, were gathered in the city of Nauvoo a settlement around a bend of the eastern bank of the Mississippi River. In 1842, the population of Nauvoo, made up almost exclusively of these saints, was nearing 4,000. That was considerable growth from the population of Nauvoo in 1839, which was then only about 100. And by early 1844, the population boomed to over 12,000. It's worth noting that the population of Chicago, on the other side of Illinois, was only 8,000 in 1844. Joseph stood in front of a group of these saints in August of 1842 and delivered a speech. The following are some of the words from his address. As he looked out over the audience, Joseph exclaimed, we saints will continue to suffer much affliction and will be driven to the Rocky Mountains. Some may lose their way and apostatize. Others will be put to death by our persecutors or lose their lives in consequence of exposure or disease and some of you will live to build cities and see the saints become a mighty people in the midst of the Rocky Mountains. I thought about Joseph's words this morning on my hike as I enjoyed the blue sky and clean December air. I also recalled that after his death, Joseph had appeared in a dream to the then leader of the group of saints, Brigham Young, and said the following to Brigham. Build under the point where the colors fall, and you will prosper and have peace. In this special bonus episode, I'd like to talk about Joseph Smith's last Christmas. It would be in 1843 in Nauvoo. It's come to mean a lot to me as I've learned from Joseph's own journal entries about the events of that holiday. And I've appreciated those events even more, knowing that he would be killed at Carthage Jail, some 25 miles to the southwest of Nauvoo, Illinois, by the bullets of an angry mob, late one Thursday afternoon the following June. Welcome to Saints and Sinners, True Crime in the History of the West. This is a special bonus episode, Joseph Smith's Last Christmas. Wednesday, March 11th, 2020 started just like any other day. Knowledge of the coronavirus was beginning to spread across the planet. I worked that day and was able to get a ticket to see the musical Dear Evan Hansen at the Eccles Theatre in downtown Salt Lake City. I showed up and sat in my seat. The people sitting near me filed into their seats and we were minutes away from the beginning of the show. The man next to me kept checking his phone and said that Rudy Gobert, the center for the Utah Jazz, had been diagnosed with having COVID-19 and that the game between the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder would be postponed. Then, moments later, we learned that Donovan Mitchell, also of the Jazz, had been diagnosed as well. Now, not only would this game be postponed, but the NBA season as a whole would be postponed indefinitely. We sat in our seats that night, wondering whether the show would still go on. Dear Evan Hansen began, and the show went on as planned. The next day, Thursday, March 12th, The scheduled show of Dear Evan Hansen did not happen. The Wednesday night show would be the very last show at the Eccles Theater in all of 2020, as the country would be put on lockdown for some time to come. I had a trip already planned to Iowa to visit Nauvoo, and I planned to go forward with the trip. I flew out on the morning of Friday, March 13th, 2020, and landed in Des Moines. I drove several hours to Keokuk, Iowa, which is essentially a border town between Iowa and Illinois, and I went to bed at the hotel. I woke up the next morning and drove across the Keokuk-Hamilton Bridge, which allows one to cross the Mississippi River into Illinois. The temperature was about 32 degrees that morning, and with the Illinois humidity, it was very, very cold. I stopped and took a photo in front of the Welcome to Illinois sign and drove several miles to the east to the township of Carthage. Where the jail still sits today the jail where joseph smith and his brother hiram would be shot by an angry mob on thursday june 27th 1844. joseph was only 38 years old when he was shot and killed and hiram was only 44. due to covid restrictions none of the structures at that site including the jail itself were open i stood there as the snow fell and it sank in that joseph and hiram smith spent their last living moments there. Those two, along with Dr. Willard Richards, Joseph Scribe, then 40 years old, and John Taylor, then 35, and editor of two Nauvoo newspapers, the Times and Seasons and the Nauvoo Neighbor, were being held in the upper room of the jail. They were charged with several things, including the destruction of the Nauvoo Expositor printing press that had happened on June 10th. The four men had two firearms among them, left behind by friends. A single-shot pistol Joseph had passed to Hiram, and a six-shot pistol called a pepper box, which the Prophet retained. A mob began to gather around the jail in the late afternoon sun on the 27th. Just after five o'clock, the mob rushed the stairs to the upper room, and Hiram, who was standing just on the other side of the door, was promptly shot in the face. A bullet had come through the door, hitting him and killing him instantly. Joseph dropped to his brother. Oh, my poor dear brother Hiram, he groaned. The deep look of sympathy on Joseph's face fastened itself to Elder Taylor's mind. The prophet then stood. With a firm step, he went to the door, pulled the pepper box from his pocket, and reached around the door casing. Firing blindly into the hallway, he snapped all six shots, half discharged, striking three men. John Taylor stood at the door, attempting to fight men from the mob trying to enter the room. From behind him, Joseph said, That's right, Brother Taylor, parry them off as well as you can. Those were the last words that John Taylor heard the prophet speak. When it became impossible for Taylor to fight the mob any longer, he turned and ran across the room. He was struck by a bullet in his thigh as he neared the window. He was then hit by a second bullet, which struck the watch in his breast pocket, stopping his watch instantly at 16 minutes twenty seconds past five o'clock Willard Richards was now fighting the mob off as well as he could but Joseph in an attempt to draw the mobbers attention away from the room dropped his pistol and went quickly to the window and jumped to the ledge Joseph was hit simultaneously in the back by two balls fired from the door and in the chest by a third ball fired from the outside Joseph poised momentarily on the sill oh Lord my God he cried then he fell dead to the yard below Joseph's fall from the window would draw the mob out of the room, and it would be a major factor in saving the lives of Willard Richards and John Taylor that afternoon. The two would remain members of the church and would end up migrating west to Utah, where they lived out the rest of their lives. Both are buried now in the Salt Lake City Cemetery. John Taylor's headstone is a tall obelisk on a hill near the center of the cemetery after standing outside of carthage jail for a while on that snowy saturday in march 2020 when the world was going crazy with covid i got back in my car and drove to nauvoo not expecting any of the structures there to be open for tours i drove to the cemetery where joseph and hiram are buried along with joseph's wife emma and her second husband lewis c Bideman joseph smith senior and lucy mack smith are buried in that cemetery as well I sat there in the cold and took a picture next to Joseph's grave marker. I looked over toward one of the surrounding structures, the Nauvoo House, which was finished by Bideman, Emma's husband, after the deaths of Joseph and Hiram, and saw a man having a conversation with a small family. They were the only people I saw in the vicinity, so I walked over and said hello. They were a small family of four from Arizona who had been planning a trip to Navoo, and decided to still make it happen, even though there had been closures due to the coronavirus. The man standing and talking to them was none other than John Risley, who had recently been called as president of the historic Nauvoo mission, and he oversaw dozens and dozens of missionaries for the church in Nauvoo and the surrounding historic sites. He didn't want any of the missionaries that he oversaw to risk themselves with the recent scare of the coronavirus, so he was out giving tours by himself. This kind man stood there, in the wind and snow, for nearly two hours as we walked through Nauvoo and he discussed the things that had happened there. I could sense his love for the place, and I thought of him as a kindred spirit, one who appreciates history and places as much as I do. I'll never forget that. Near the end of the tour, we all stood in front of the mansion house. This was Joseph Smith's residence in the last years of his life before he died at Carthage. I thought about his journal entries over the weekend of his last christmas on earth my friend emily had told me about the entries and they left an impression on me as happens with stories told about religious leaders over time they are either vilified or nearly worshipped in the recounting of the tales of their lives and the marks they left on the world joseph smith is no different but on this christmas day I want to give you some insight into his mind as he made journal entries on the last birthday of his life December 23rd 1843 as well as the last Christmas Eve and the last Christmas day of his life Joseph wasn't thinking of himself he was thinking of his friends followers and a returning rough-edged man named Porter Rockwell who had been a faithful friend during most of his life I take you first to Saturday December 23rd 1843 Joseph's 38th birthday as he retired for the night this was his journal entry at home counseling with the brethren who called on me and attending to my domestic duties making preparations for a Christmas dinner party prayer meeting in the assembly room Joseph made no mention of his own birthday he was concerned with the business of the kingdom He was most likely called upon throughout the day with visit after visit of those wishing him a happy birthday but he was not concerned about himself on this his 38th and final birthday now we go to christmas eve sunday december 24th 1843 here's what joseph wrote at home received a visit from mr ebenezer richardson one of the men who assisted in kidnapping daniel avery he manifested some repentance and sorrow for his part in that transaction and I promised to use what influence he had with the Missourians to set Avery at liberty. Joseph was concerned with the freedom of his followers on this last Christmas Eve of his life. Now I will take you to the early morning hours of Monday, December 25th, 1843. Joseph, now 38, would spend the last fold Christmas day of his life at the mansion house in Nauvoo, where I stood that day in the snow As my tour came to an end last year he was awakened at 1 a.m by carolers this is what he wrote in his journal this morning about one o'clock a.m i was aroused by an english sister Lettice rushton widow of richard rushton senior who 10 years ago lost her sight accompanied by three of her sons their wives and her two daughters and their husbands and several of her neighbors singing mortals awake with angels join which caused a thrill of pleasure to run through my soul. Here is a clip of what that hymn sounds like. now back to joseph's journal entry from that christmas day all of my family and boarders arose to hear the serenade and i felt to thank my heavenly father for their visit and bless them in the name of the lord they arose and visited my brother Hiram, who was awakened from his sleep he arose and went out of doors to them he shook hands with them and blessed each one of them in the name of the lord and said that he thought at first that a cohort of angels had come to visit him it was such heavenly music to him At home all day, about noon, gave counsel to some brethren who called on me from Morley Settlement, and told them to keep law on their side, and they would come out well enough. At two o'clock, about fifty couples sat down to dine at my table, while I was eating my scribe called, requesting me to solemnize the marriage of his brother, Dr. Levi Richards, and Sarah Griffiths, but as I was the host, and I could not leave, I referred him to President Brigham Young, who married them. A large party dined at my house, and spent the evening in music, dancing, and in a most cheerful and friendly manner. During the festivities, a man with his hair long and falling over his shoulders, and apparently drunk came in, and acted like a Missourian. I requested the captain of the police to put him out of doors. A scuffle ensued, and I had an opportunity to look him full in the face, when to my great surprise and joy untold, I discovered it was my long tried, but cruelly persecuted friend in Porter Rockwell just arrived from nearly a year's imprisonment without conviction in Missouri Joseph's friend Porter was known for being rough around the edges he was thought to have been involved in an assassination attempt on Lilburn Boggs the governor of Missouri and was being held in prison for several months due to this but on this Christmas Day the last day of his life Joseph was reunited with his friend Porter Rockwell and all he cared about was that Porter was okay Oren Porter Rockwell came west with the Saints after Joseph's death and lived out his life in Utah Territory. Rockwell is also buried in the Salt Lake Cemetery and has about a five-foot-tall obelisk as a marker on that spot. It was damaged last year in a windstorm in September, but has since been fixed. I have visited his grave dozens and dozens of times, and I have taken hundreds of people by his grave as I have told the stories of Porter Rockwell. Porter was known to regularly turn to the bottle. In fact, sometimes passers-by will leave a bottle of whiskey at his final resting place to show their affection for this man, who was thought to be a murderer of many men. But he was faithful and loyal to Joseph, and the two appreciated each other. This Christmas, as you think about your blessings, think about Joseph and Porter, and that last christmas party that night 178 years ago in nauvoo when a religious leader and a rough around the edges gunslinger would spend their last christmas on earth together merry christmas everyone i'm chad mortensen thank you for listening to saints and sinners true crime and the history of the west